I'm going to share what I would probably term more a devotional exhortation to lead us into uh, the vision and overview of 2015 for Calvary Chapel Richmond. Every year in January, um, well, when I was bivocational, I wouldn't even be able to pull it off until February. Uh, but I left the, uh, left the business world to be a full-time pastor two years ago. So every year in January, I do an overview. And what I believe the Lord's vision is for us to be, as a fellowship, focused on uh, in the coming years. Some of those things will never change. I mean, some of the things that Jesus has given us as a church are never going to change. They're the same for us. They're the same for every church. They're the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we do need to be reminded of things. And then the Lord also gives us a personality, just like each family has a personality, just like each individual has a personality, things that he uh, really gifts, gifts us in specifically and things he wants us uh, to focus on. But I wanted to give one, uh, you know, just, just an uh, encouraging devotional, if you will, before we look at these things. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 7 I, I told you some of you that um, I had been uh, picking up a Bible that was given to me in 1995. It was my first uh, Bible. Tawan gave me this nice thin profile one. Uh, what did you give? Me? Like six years ago, you gave me this one, uh, and and I like it because it's so thin I can carry it anywhere, and it slips in a laptop bag really easy. But the one that was given to me in '95, the year before my wife and I got married, I got this big, thick, huge Bible. It's heavy like the one my wife still carries around. You know, if you, uh, if you need some extra weight, this thing is big. So I don't, I don't really carry it around, but at that time, for about five, six years, that was my Bible that I did all my study in, and I highlighted it and all this stuff. And then uh, back in the fall, I got it out, and I just started looking through things that I'd wrote. And thankfully, I dated a lot of things. And I came to Deuteronomy chapter 7, and I had dated much of it the year 2000, so 15 years ago. And I looked at the things I circled, and this was five years before. I was, I was not ordained as, as a pastor until 2005. And I circled a lot of things in there, and I had wrote quite a few things about the church and the nation of Israel, the church and the nation of Israel, a lot of things in there back in 2000, just the Lord speaking to me. And I looked at these verses, and I felt like the Lord wanted me to share them with all of us because they're written for all of us anyway. And they encouraged me, and I hope they'll encourage you as we look at them together. So Deuteronomy chapter 7. And I'm going to read, we're going to hopscotch a little bit, a few verses, not all uh, the entire chapter. But I want to start with verse 6. Verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 7. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We'll be glad to put one in your hand. Yes, I see that hand. Please, uh, please give a Bible to them. That would be great. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Starting with verse 6. For you are a holy people to the Lord, your God. The Lord, your God, has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than other people, for you were the least of the peoples. Look at verse 9. Therefore, so we're going to skip 8. This is based on time more than anything else. I'd love to read them all. But verse 9. Therefore, know that the Lord your God... There it is again. Notice how many times it says the Lord your God, your God, your God. The Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Drop down to verse 12. Then it shall come to pass, because you listen to these judgments and keep them and do them, that the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and mercy which he swore to your fathers. Verse 13. And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land, your grain and your new wine and your oil, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flock in the land in which he swore to your fathers to give you. Drop down to verse 18. You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember what, well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. Verse 21. 
You shall not be terrified of them. For the Lord your God, the great and awesome God, is among you. In verse 22 and 23. And the Lord your God, notice again, how many times is the Lord your God, will drive out those nations before you, little by little. You will be unable to destroy them all at once, lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you and will inflict defeat upon them until they are destroyed. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak, that you would be the one speaking to each and every heart. Lord, you'd take these verses, and they would come alive in the ears of the hearer and in the hearts. Lord, you would speak what each person needs for this day, for this coming year, and for us as a collective family and fellowship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sometimes, as I mentioned, me going back and, and opening that Bible that I hadn't, I hadn't thumbed through it in a long time. But sometimes God takes us back to a place, maybe a scripture, maybe takes you back to a scripture you had long forgotten. You ever done that? You're reading and you had long forgotten a certain verse. Now, God hadn't forgotten the verse, but we had forgotten it. He takes us back to a place in time uh, to remind us, and in this case, to remind us that he is faithful. Do you think he was faithful to Israel? I mean, did, did they do anything to merit the faithfulness of God? I mean, even after they murmured and complained, forgot they'd gotten to the Red Sea, he continued to remain faithful. And you and I have been guilty of the same thing. He wants us to remember, to know that his promises are true. They're forever true. They'll always be true. That if you were with us last week, Revelation chapter 3, that the doors he opens will stay open. Isn't that good? The doors he opens will stay open. You ever had a door slam in your face? It's not what God does. The doors he opens will stay open. The doors he shuts will stay shut. And what he waters absolutely will grow. Sometimes you and I water things, and they don't always grow. True? As if you tried your hand at gardening, botany, whatever it is. Whatever the Lord waters, it will grow. Whatever he blesses will absolutely flourish. Not because of, but in spite of what he's working with, and that's us. Our response, our response is simply the same as Israel had. They were to just simply obey, just simply do, say, yes, Lord, your words are faithful, your words are true, simply to obey with gratitude, say, what else could we do? Jesus, you gave your life on a Roman cross for us. What else could we do but respond and obey? Our response is simply to trust, simply to obey like the children's song says, to devote our lives to growing in the grace and uh, peace and all the gifts of the Spirit to glorifying the Lord with all that is in us, uh, we leave the results in His hands. And that's a really safe place for Him, isn't it? If the results for the success of your family, the results for the success of your children someday, I want them to walk with the Lord, you can do everything possibly humanly correct, but who's ultimately going to be the determining factor? It's the Lord. His faithfulness. You see, this relationship individually that we have, collectively as a church family, it isn't works-based. Isn't that good? It's not works-based. We can never do enough to impress God, please God, make Him say, wow, you, you really bring a lot to the table. Seeing the promised land of maturity in our life and victory... Does anyone not want to see victory in their life? Anyone not want to see maturity in their life? But seeing these things, it's based on the unmerited, undeserved, never been worked for, or you couldn't work for it, mercy and love of Christ. If you're taking notes this morning, this devotional exhortation, again, it's not, it's not meant to be like our week-by-week study. I want to give you some things that hopefully uh, speak to your heart and encourage you for this coming year, but also really kind of dovetail with when we look at our church family for the 2015 year and going forward. 
If you're taking notes this morning, I've titled our time in God's Word, The Lord Our God is Faithful. The Lord Our God is Faithful. And I don't know about you, but I can, I can rest in that like a super strong chair. Because, you ever sit on a chair that you know is not doing real? I've got a couple of them in the house like this. We've got a bar stool that sits at the, uh, the kitchen island. Uh, one has already gone down. Two, two remain. And one is, is heading south. And so we know we're going to have to replace them. Nothing, things don't last forever. We got a good deal on them like seven years ago, and, and they're doing pretty good. But when I sit on them, I don't have all the confidence in the world because I've already seen one has given it up and the other one's soon to follow, and I need to be on the ready to jump down. But, this, but God's not that way. His promises are secure. We can stand on his promises. We can believe that this that was given to Israel is still for us today. This is an addendum, if you will, to last week's message from Revelation chapter 3. And if you didn't hear it, it is up on the website. I hope you'll take time to listen to it. Uh, That was the one that I felt the Lord wanted me to share before we looked at today's word and, and, and 2015 Uh, This is an addendum to that, his counsel unchanged. But these literal, if you're a Bible student, you know that these promises were given to the nation of Israel. True? They were specifically given to Israel. This This is the Lord speaking to Moses and the children of Israel. They were not at that time and place given to Calvary Chapel of Richmond or to the church worldwide. They were given to the nation state of Israel. And historically, God kept his promises with Israel. They didn't keep their part of the conditional uh, covenant. God kept his part of the covenant. They did not. But these promises were given to Israel. But in principle and in spiritual application, they're applicable to us. And the New Testament verifies this without any question. I'll, I'll prove it to you in just a minute. In the New Testament, these same truths, these same promises are given to us in principle and spiritually applied in our life, though not in the exact same way as Israel would receive them, but we still receive these same promises in our spiritual walk. They're conditional based on our surrender for Israel is based on keeping the commandments of the Lord, not to perfection, but that the heart of Israel would be keeping the commandments. And the same for us. We'll never be perfect. That's why we need forgiveness every single day of the year. That's why we're saved by grace and not work. But our heart would be set on devotion to Christ. Remember we talked about the three different churches. You have the distracted church, you have the dead church, and you have a devoted church. Was Philadelphia perfect? Not by any means. Were they devoted in their heart? Were they set to be followers of Christ, taking up their cross and following? Absolutely. So I want to look at these in order. We'll just kind of go through them. And if you've got a pen, you want to circle them in your own Bible, that's a good thing. You certainly can go back and do that later as well. But the first thing I want to look at is verse 6. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God, chosen. If you're taking notes, I don't have an outline. I'm just going to go through them one by one. First one is chosen. If you're saved you've been chosen. If you're not saved, God wants to choose you today. If you're saved, you've already been chosen. If you're not saved, God wants to choose you and actually is choosing you. You have to choose back. Chosen. Now, where do we know that these principles in the Old Testament are for us in the New Testament? Well, Peter uses the same exact language. You might know this verse from 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen generation. A royal what? Priesthood. I'm not a priest. I never wore priestly robes. I've never done anything priestly in my entire life. He's speaking to every single person in the church. A young believer, female, male, doesn't matter. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is the collective body of Christ, not just Calvary Chapel of Richmond, but our Baptist brothers and sisters, our Presbyterian brothers and sisters, our Church of God brothers and sisters. That's the holy nation he's speaking of. His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Think out of Egypt. They were called out of Egypt, we're called out of darkness. 
They were made a special nation. We're made a special nation. They were chosen. We are chosen. Not because there's anything good in us. The Lord says, he didn't choose you because of your number in verse 7. You were the least. You had the least to offer. God loves to use the least, doesn't he? Remember the devoted church in Revelation? You have just a little strength. Just a little strength. First, we're chosen. But we're chosen by his grace. Next, look at verse 12. Then it shall come to pass, because you listen to these judgments, keep them, that the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the, the word, mercy. Number two, mercy. Boy, do we benefit from mercy, don't we? I love the words to this hymn. You guys know that hymn, Christ the Solid Rock I Stand? I love these words right here. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. If your hope's built on anything else but the mercy of God, it'll all fall apart, won't it? Anything less than his mercy is the sinking sand that song talks about. Jesus said in Matthew 9, 13, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus said, the whole reason I came was to give mercy to sinners. As I've been going through the book of Genesis, it struck me again looking at Cain and Abel. Cain never once asked for mercy. He defends his character. He defends his reasons. He never repents. He's, this isn't fair. I can't believe this. I don't agree with what you're doing. Never once does he ask for just mercy. Don't ever petition God and ask him for fairness. We've talked about this before. We do not want God's fairness, do we? Because fairness would mean we all spend eternity in hell. That's fair. Because we have his, his standards perfection. Well, I don't agree with that. Well, we're not perfect, so we're not even in a place to disagree with it. He's perfect. We're not. But he offers mercy. No one, no one has to. No one has to endure the future punishment that certainly we all deserve. Jesus said, I desire mercy. I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to give mercy to those that would receive it. That would Remember the, two, two, the publican just beating on his breast, have mercy on me, Lord. We don't want to ask for fairness. We want to seek the mercy of God. We want to be a church that is merciful, that seeks mercy, that gives mercy. The high priest, when he would go in to the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, where would he go? He'd go to the mercy seat. The mercy seat. You and I, when we go into our prayer closet in our prayer life, we don't go into the fairness seat. We don't go into the, hey, I hope that we can make a deal seat. We go into the mercy seat. Because we failed enough this past week, we need mercy again, don't we? Continually need mercy. Let's look at the next one, verse 13. And he will love you. We'll stop there. There's more in the verse 13. Verse, we'll start with love. Love. If we're loved by God, and we truly know it, it'll be enough. The reason why it's not enough is oftentimes we don't truly know it. That's the problem. It's not that the love of God isn't that real. It's that we sometimes haven't taken time to be still and know He is God, and know the love of God, and recognize you know, all the things that God asked Israel to do, some people read the Bible and they're like, oh gosh, God, God put a lot of rules on these people. All of God's rules are based on love. He actually knows what is going to destroy people and what is going to build them up. I don't, I've said it a million times, when I've talked to unsaved people, I don't have to come to church, I get to come to church. I don't have to pray, I get to pray. I don't have to read, and I'm excited about what I'm learning in Genesis, even though I've read it before. That's because I get to hear from God, not because I have to go. I heard Dr. Tony Evans this week, I'm going to paraphrase what he said. He said, many people 
believe that the Bible, if I can get this right, he said many people believe the Bible is words from God rather than the voice of God. Words from God rather than the voice of God. In other words, they don't realize that they have a, it's really a father relationship. They think it's some kind of dictator. Here's some words for you. God's love is manifested to Israel, and it's manifested to us. I mean, he, he saved them. That was the love. He saved us. That was the love. 1 John 4.19 says, we love him because he first loved us. I, I don't have the capacity to love God unless he loved me first. You don't have the capacity to love God unless he loved you first. Our love is reciprocal. We've received love. The Lord loved Israel. They hadn't done anything to deserve his love, and yet God loved them and he loves us. Jeremiah 31.3, a great verse. Some of you probably uh, have heard this or maybe you have it uh, underlined in your own Bible. The Lord has appeared to me of old saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. The Bible says the kindness of God led us to salvation. The love of God. It was the love of God that brought me in. It's the love of God I'm still experiencing, you know, all these years later. And for me, my 20th year of salvation will come this coming June. This is a big year for me in 2015. I'll have been saved 20 years. Milestones matter to me, and I hope they matter to you. If they don't matter to you, I hope they start mattering to you. 20 years. God drew me in love, and I wasn't looking for God. I was running from him. And he still loved me enough to draw me in, and he loves you enough to draw you in. He loved us first. He's loved us with an everlasting love. Israel, all he wanted was to lavish his love on Israel. And sadly, years later, they would choose idolatry and human sacrifice. Crazy stuff. You're like, did you just say human? Yes. They would actually sacrifice their own children where God wanted to bless them. They were carried away into bondage because they rejected the love. We must receive the love of God and walk in it. We respond to the commands of Christ. We respond to the commands of Christ because we know they were given in love. When you read the commands of Jesus, we were were reading Revelation chapter 3 last week. I know Jesus said some tough stuff, but he said, as many as I, what? Love, I rebuke. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus loves us enough to rebuke us when we're doing something dumb? Yes. That he will turn us away from things that would be harmful. It's all out of love. The love we're given, though, the love we're given, we're supposed to give it back out. It's supposed to be the mark of a believer in a believing church. Not only have we been loved, but we, we need to show love. We need to walk in love. John 13, 35, one of my favorite verses related to the church. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If we cannot love our brothers and sisters in Christ, according to 1 John, we're a liar and the truth is not in us. So loving one another is the response of maturing and walking in the Lord that as we've been loved, we give love to one another. Not because other people are loving us. Uh Uh-uh. Jesus loved us when we were unlovable. We love people when they're unlovable. Well, I love people as long as they're doing things the way I hope they would. Well, you're going to have a long, difficult road because people will rarely do things exactly the way we would script it out, right? And we have to love them anyway. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Considering one another. Love and good works. Next one, blessing. And I will love you and will bless you. Blessing of God, not because, again, we deserve it. Quite the opposite. He blesses us in spite of. But he blesses us to accomplish his work in our life. He loved us enough to extend mercy. And our response is to extend that to others. But as the Lord blesses us, If you have anything, uh, spiritual growth, you have actually some money in the bank account, you have cars that work, you have a job, you have your health, all those things are the blessings of God. Every good and perfect gift comes from where? The Lord. You couldn't manufacture it, you know? 
Mercedes-Benz couldn't even make a car if God didn't put the materials in the earth, right? He couldn't. This goes all the way back in Genesis where they, they were learning how to work with metals and God put gold in parts of the ground and put silver here and put... The, everything that we have is but by the grace of God. Uh, our grocery stores could be cleaned out in less than six months if God sent a drought from Maine to Arizona and Florida to Washington. True? Anytime God wants to, he could make the sun like a brass clock and nothing but scorching the earth. He doesn't choose to do that. Although, if you study the book of Revelation, those days will come when man will refuse the love and mercy of God. But we've been blessed. We've been blessed tremendously. Abraham in the Old Testament was blessed. Why? It said to be a blessing to others. The blessing we receive, that we're supposed to be blessings to others. God has blessed Israel. They were to even bless the stranger in their land. Did you know that? They were to bless the stranger in their land. And we want to be a blessing to others. It really is better to give <clears throat> than receive. Now, I want to, uh, one quick thing. When you think about blessing, you might say, Pastor, how do we reconcile this with our brothers and sisters around the world, especially those who are in North Korean prisons right now, especially those who are under persecution? How do we reconcile their blessing? That's a tough one to deal with, isn't it? Like, where's, where's their blessing? Are they receiving some kind of blessing? Are they really? Do you know what? When you read their testimonies, they believe this stuff more than we do. They actually believe because they've, they've grabbed onto the spiritual realm and aren't so horizontal, more vertical, they actually believe, and I kid you not, you read some of the testimonies, they'll blow your mind, they actually believe they are blessed to suffer for the Lord. But you can't get there until you start walking in these truths right now today. That you would be able to have that spiritual maturity to believe you're still blessed, being blessed, to believe that Jesus still loves them where they're at, to believe that they've still been a chosen royal priesthood, to believe that they still are experiencing, not will someday, but already are experiencing the mercy of God, to believe that they can actually still reach out and love to the very people who are persecuting them. They believe these things. We have to believe them, and we're not even in the same place. But we better believe them now. Next one. And he will multiply you. Multiplication. This is always the Lord's desire. All the way back to Adam and Eve, he said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. The fruit of the womb is mentioned here, but the spiritual application is new converts. Souls saved. Lives changed. New disciples. If we're a healthy fellowship we'll see souls saved and people come to Christ. Thankfully, in the last year, we've seen that. We've seen people come to Christ the last couple of years. I want to see many more, but when people are coming to Christ, it's an indication that the Holy Spirit is alive and working in our midst. It's God's design that we multiply through new salvations, new converts, new people coming to Christ. We're told to go into all the world and make disciples, not just make decisions, make disciples to baptize them and pour into them. Um, we need to understand that when we're mature in the Lord, when we love the Lord, they go hand in hand, loving the Lord, mature in the Lord, we will want to see souls saved. We'll pray for it. We'll pray over it. We'll pray to become more salt and light to actually uh, extend the gospel to people, invite people to church, these kind of things. J.C. Ryle, I shared this with a couple of guys this week. J.C. Ryle said this. He said, the highest form of selfishness is a man content to go to heaven alone. The highest form of selfishness is a man content to go to heaven alone. A man that would say, well, I'm saved. What about everybody else? Well, uh, uh, at least I have my little shack in glory. I don't know where that ever came up, but you will not find that passage in Scripture. That little shack in glory, it's not, there's not a single verse in the Bible that speaks of that. We will want to see the Lord do multiplication. And by the way, I, when I look out at our fellowship, I thank the Lord for every single individual that God has brought to this church. I think every single family the Lord has brought here. And me and my family, we were brought from Calvary Chapel 
uh, Charlotte, and for that, we were at Central Church of God down there, and we were brought from Fort Lauderdale before that. I thank the Lord for every single person he's brought here. Some of you, God brought you from other church families, and some of you from Richmond, some of you from other states, job transfers, whatever it may be. But there is still something incredibly beautiful when the church sees soul saved and adds that way, isn't it? Well, that was what we were looking at the other night. Uh, we were at the, the men's Bible study. And I looked around the room, there was 10 men there. And three of them had gotten saved in this ministry in just the last couple of years. Three of the 10, 30% of those that were there had gotten saved in this church, in this ministry, formerly had no care, no interest in the scriptures, no interest in Bible studies, no interest in their families, you know, walking in the Lord, no interest in training up their kids in the fear of the Lord. And to see that, that is what God desires. Now, I, I want to see, no matter who God has the body, all grow. But then when you share with an unsaved neighbor and they come and get saved, that is like, that's where it's really at. That's what the Lord wants to do. Multiplication. Next, verse 18, you shall not be afraid. In verse 21, you shall not be terrified. Does anyone love feeling terrified? And, and just, and did anyone love anxiety? Did anyone love their blood pressure spiking? It's just a great feeling, isn't it? It's not. The Lord wants to give us peace. It's the opposite of fear. It's the opposite of terror. Anxiety. All these things are the opposite of peace. And I don't know, I think this is something that, that uh, has a stranglehold on many people today. I believe the enemy, uh, even in our own nation, is attacking people's minds like never before. Anxious, fearful, dreading. You know, there's a lot of people that are actually starting to think really bad things are coming, I just don't know what it is. But the Lord said, you don't live in fear of these things. The Lord says, I am greater than the enemy. We might not have, we might not have uh, a literal hot war battle around us. Although someday that could come here too. Don't think it couldn't. Absolutely could. But even if that's not the case, we still have a battle in the mind. The enemy attacking people feeling depressed, anxious, disturbed, worried, fearful. And Jesus, he came to set us free from those things. Those are the things that dominate the unsaved world. But they still attack Christians too, don't they? We still attack the Christian mind. We still have the flesh uh, that, that looks at all the things that could go wrong. But Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives you, but not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We have to speak those words to ourselves on a regular basis. I do. There's lots of things that make me afraid, and I have to run back to the Lord. This will never work. This is going to collapse. This is going to fail. And I have to bring it back to the Lord, and so do you. He wants to give us peace. There's seasons when it appears the enemy is winning. You have to trust that he's not. There's seasons that appears the enemy is winning. He is not. Jesus has already won the whole battle. The enemy wants us to believe that we're dead, that there's no chance, that we're going to be defeated. That was 10 of the spies. Joshua and Caleb said, I'm pretty certain God can take care of this. Everyone petrified of Goliath. David said, no big deal. He wants to give us peace. And lastly, victory. Verse 22. The Lord will God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You'll be unable to destroy them at once. Verse 23. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you. He'll drive them out little by little. But he will deliver them over to you. Know that spiritual growth, new victories, things you struggle with for years, things that our church maybe has struggles with, those victories will come, but not through our efforts, but through the grace and provision of God. We talked about this Thursday night in our grace, Why Grace Changes Everything study. You, you and I cannot solve the things in our life. We, even our own flesh, even our own weaknesses, bad habits, all of these things. We keep giving them to the Lord, presenting them at the foot of the cross. Say, Lord, I need your help. I desperately need your help. 
But you know what? God wants to help us more than we even want the help. And he told Israel, I'll give you the victory little by little. You're going to have to stay faithful to me. And little by little, I'll drive everyone out until the place that I've completely transformed it. That's what he's doing with us individually. He's transforming us day by day, week by week. He could make us complete and perfect immediately. We might all appreciate that, wouldn't we? He could do it immediately. He could, he could actually help you break every single, and me too, every single flaw, habit, gap in our life immediately, and yet he doesn't. He says little by little. But you, but you know what? God is still faithful to do it. Philippians 1.6. Being confident, Paul wrote, in this very thing. He who began a good work in you will complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? That he will complete it. That he is completing it. You know, I can look back now and see things that I used to struggle with, I don't struggle with anymore, but for a while it was like watching hands on a clock. But I look back, that's God. It's been well said, you're either coming out of a trial, in a trial, or heading into one. Because God is always doing a new work that's part of the completed work that's not yet the finished work. The only finished work is the cross. All of us, we're still a work in progress, but little by little, victory will come. We won't see it 100% overnight. Little by little, battle by battle, month by month, year by year, prayer by prayer, study by study, fellowship by fellowship, adding upon line upon line, precept upon precept. These are the things that God says, over time, you stay faithful to me, don't quit, persevere, stay in the battle, and I will show you victory. And many have said, that's too hard, I'm giving up. But those that stayed faithful, Joshua, Caleb, not because they were perfect. They needed God's help. It's still not, it's still not works paid. The, the one of us that keep realizing every morning, when I get up out of bed, Lord, I need your help today. Because I love what uh, Lewis Neely, when we were up at Senior Pastors Conference, um, you know, he says, every day, he goes, I could just, he goes, I could ruin my Christian witness in a minute. It's like in his 60s or something. He got a little fired up, didn't he, guys? He said, I need a plate or something to break. Uh, <laughs> but the Lord will give us victory. James 1.4 says, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You've got to be patient with the work of God. Many of the things I want God to do in me personally and the church don't happen overnight. I have to patiently wait. Just like a farmer patiently waits. You plant the seed, it doesn't grow immediately, does it? You've got to wait for it. And these are just things that I hope, as we, I want to uh, take a few minutes to show you some uh, things that relate to uh, just our vision for 2015. I hope that these things, the Lord settles them in you. And remember, go back and listen to last week's Revelation chapter 3. They, they're connected because these words of encouragement are for the devoted church. God wants to bless us. God wants to use us. He wants us to use us to encourage our brothers and sisters around the world. He wants to multiply us in good, healthy, fruitful ways. But he wants us to abide in his love. Jesus said that. He said, abide in my love, and you will do what? You'll bear much fruit. We, will abide, we, we abide in the Lord. He's faithful. We'll bear much fruit. Amen? Father, we pray that you would establish this in each and every heart and that we would grow in this manner, Lord. We'd abide in your love. We'd abide in your grace. Lord, not by works, but your faithfulness. And we'll see victory by victory, little by little, growing, being more merciful, more loving, and Lord, multiplying as new converts and as mature believers. And we ask for this in the coming year. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you can pull up my uh, slide deck, I want to take a few minutes. In our last 15, 20 minutes together here, know more about what Calvary Chapel is all about. By the way, next Sunday, right after, um, right after our service next Sunday, uh, if you are visiting or you've been here for a while, we are having a new to Calvary brunch with uh, the church leadership. So if you want to join us, uh, do we have a sign up out, out there?
We have a sign-up. Please sign up. I know we have a, a couple of families uh, that will be coming that aren't even here with me today. I got some of them that emailed us this week saying we're coming to that. So if you want to come uh, right after service, we'll have some food and fellowship. If you're relatively new to Calvary, and, and, and that's, that's kind of a broad term, you could feel new to Calvary and you've been here for nine months. So feel free to come. It doesn't matter. Maybe you want to do an, uh, you know, you have some questions you hadn't had a chance to ask. Myself and the elders will be able to field any questions you want to ask about uh, anything related to the church. We're glad to answer your questions. So that'll be next Sunday after the service. But this will serve as a primer, if you will, for some of that. And the first thing I want to make sure I've got this on. I did not. Now I do. There we go. First, I want to look at is some guiding scriptures. Uh, everything that we do at Calvary Chapel Richmond is guided by the Word of God, led by the Spirit of God, purchased by the blood of Christ. This church, this is not, this church is not my church in one in any way, shape, or form. I'm simply to be a steward. God could use anybody me or anyone else, to lead his church. This church isn't the elders. This church isn't our deacons. This church isn't even your church. This church belongs to Jesus Christ. And what we do want to do is faithfully follow his word. And here's some guiding scriptures. Um, there's many others that I, that I love, but these should give you an understanding of how the Lord frames the church and how it frames how we think about what our calling as a church is to be. First, uh, one of my favorites, you'll see it on our website. Uh, by the way, we're looking to do some changes to the website in 2015, uh, quite a few actually. Uh, so, uh, matter of fact, I've been meeting with a couple of guys here to kind of look at our web strategy. But you'll still see this verse, and it means a lot uh, to us as a church because Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appealed to all men. At the end of the day, Without grace, we have nothing. But the grace that God's given to us is available to every single family in Chesterfield County, every single person on earth. The same grace we've received is the same grace God wants us to bring to every single person, regardless of their background, culture, doesn't matter. Ethnicity, God's grace is the same to all people, Jew, Gentile, you name it. So we don't ever want to forget that we've been saved but by grace. And it's a given to all men. And that's good news. The gospel is good news that we bring that grace. Second is Matthew 28, 19. These uh, 20, 19 and 20, closing words of Jesus in the book of Matthew, where he tells them to go and make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We not only make disciples, but we have a mandate to bring them into believers. Baptism and that they would mature in the Lord, that they would grow in the Lord. The second one here, teaching them to observe all things. We have to teach the Word of God. My number one responsibility as a pastor is to teach you, faithfully teach you the Word of God. Not that you shouldn't study on your own. I already said we all have to study on our own. But I have an accountability. I'll give an account before the Lord someday. Did I faithfully teach the whole counsel of God? Did I run from certain scriptures, or would I teach them? If the Lord put them in there, would we share them with you? Absolutely. Teach all things. I've put all in caps there. Every single scripture matters. And lo, he's with us. Isn't that great? He's faithful. We just talked about in Deuteronomy 7. He's with us to the end of the age. Next one, Ephesians 4.12. This is uh, the ongoing work of any church ministry. It's the equipping of the saints, that you would be better prepared to share with your neighbors. You'd be more loving as you grow in the Lord. You would have more wisdom or counsel for difficult situations you encounter in your own life and the life of other people. The equipping of the saints and edifying that you're actually strengthened, right? The reason you probably want to eat healthier in 2015, the reason you want to do some moderate amount of exercise, and you want to be strengthened, edified, built up. That's important. Next one, Hebrews 10, 24. I already read this verse in our uh, devotional time earlier this morning, but there it is again. Let us consider one another and stir up love and good works. We were created for good works. We're not saved by good works, but we were created for works that God had appointed. Do you know there's works appointed to you that weren't appointed to me? Some of you have the ability to ter- touch certain people that I could never touch, but God has given them to you. He's in your life. 
You're saying, oh, so that family member was given to me. Yes. That difficult family member was given specially to you. Maybe you're the difficult. No, I'm kidding. Uh, some people say, no, there they are. But, uh, but the Lord gives us certain things just for us that we would be stirred up. But it has to be in love. If we're not loving, it's not going to profit us anything, right? It's just going to be dead faith. Then lastly, Revelation 3.8, which we looked at last week. I have set before you an open door. Even when we have a little strength, we're going to keep his word and not deny his name. There's days this year you're going to have a little strength, but you still have an open door. Amen? And that door is Christ. Let's take a look. This is our ministry vision. This is the vision statement, if you will, for Calvary Chapel of Richmond. I'll read it to you. If you can't read it in the back there, you should be able to. Most of these are larger print. There's a couple of eye charts. But a church family, right? Not a church corporation, not a church business, not a church organization, not a church club, not a church charity, a church family. And fellowship. Fellowship is only possible by the Holy Spirit. Friendship can be done with people that aren't saved. Fellowship is the work of the Spirit. A church family and fellowship in love with Jesus Christ, all of us in love with Christ, filled with the Spirit, teaching the Word of God, growing together while reaching out to those locally and around the world. We don't just care about the people in Chesterfield County. We care about the people in India, Africa, Southeast Asia. Are we living there? No. Are we touching there? Yes. Family. That's our statement. A church family in love with Jesus. When we're a church family in love with Jesus, the other stuff will happen. It will. When we're in love with Jesus, all the other stuff will happen because he'll make it happen. Our ministry focus. These four areas. If you're looking at four pillars, like four, uh, four legs on a chair. A strong chair. Remember I talked about my weak bar stool. Strong one. Teaching, which is the uh, central focus that every Sunday and Wednesday we're focused that the Word of God will be central to what we do. We don't hear from the books and wisdom of man. The books and wisdom of man can't really help us. But teaching the Word of God, serving. I look around the room, many of you serve, and thank God for your service. But we're all to be servants. Serving in your home. Dads serving the wives, wives serving their husbands, kids serving the parents, parents serving the kids, families serving families, us serving each other. Strengthening, this is back to edifying again, strengthening, being built up in the faith. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, we can all become stronger in the Lord. True? Not in body, that's going to fade away. Many of you say, I know that. The body will fade, but our spiritual strength can become stronger. And those of you that are, that are older in the faith have a lot to give, maybe perhaps more than you even know. As God has strengthened you spiritually, it really is a benefit to everybody. And lastly is reaching. Not last in the list. These are co-equals just in the, in the uh, structure there. But reaching. We reach out. Jesus had to go. He had to come he had to go out. He had to send out. We had to reach out. It takes some effort to reach out. The team that will go into Bonaire tonight. The kids at Bonaire are not going to come visit us here. Why? Well, they're in jail. So we have to reach out to them. We have to go where they're at. We have to go to Hilliard House. We have to go to these places. And so the Lord wants us to reach. Our ministry seven. We have a lot of ministries at Calvary Chapel Richmond, but they all fall under, generally speaking, they fall under these seven categories. And I could actually make the case more than generally speaking, even very specifically, they fall under these seven categories. Prayer. If we don't have prayer, Jesus in my house should be a house prayer. If we don't have prayer, we don't have a whole lot. I, I look for us to continue to grow in prayer. We have prayer every Sunday morning here at 945. We also have it, which I know is tough on Wednesdays at 545 for those of you that can come. I hope you will. Uh, but in your personal life that you would become people of prayer, that we would all grow in prayer. Prayer, the word, we know how important that is. That we center all that we uh, do and believe on God's word. Discipleship, men's discipleship, ladies' discipleship. 
working with teenagers, discipling one another, families, uh, our home fellowships that start this month, January 23rd, if you haven't signed up, in the foyer, sign up. That's discipleship. We'll get into things like, if you read Revelation chapter 3, I'll give you an example of this from a discipleship standpoint. If you read Revelation chapter 3 with us last week, you might have saw some verses that I did not touch on that, let me tell you, are loaded verses. Deep. We're going to touch on some of them. Say, I, I was wondering, what was Jesus meaning by this statement? I will not blot out your name. It's a heavy, heavy statement. I didn't even go deep on that. But we'll, we'll tackle those. We'll wrestle with them. They're, those are tougher pieces of meat. So those Friday nights, discipleship. The men's that we had on Thursday night. Men, if you're not coming to our men's discipleship, you're really missing out. Because no man is an island. No woman's an island. We need each other. Discipleship. Children's ministry. We just prayed over the stones. Children's ministry is paramount, not just here, but around the world. If you talk to like Brother KP and, and uh, churches in, in around the world, they all need a vibrant children's ministry. It's, it's able to reach the heart of many parents. And so we want to invest in the children. Outreach, reaching out with the gospel. We had our community fest. We had different events last year. Um, We'll certainly do more of those things this year. We have ongoing outreach. Worship, Tawana and the worship team, God has really continued to bless uh, as we worship together. We now have four quarterly Wednesday night worships, and we'll continue to do We have a couple special ones too, Christmas and uh, around Thanksgiving as well. So about six in 2015. And then fellowship. We need times where we just kind of hang out with each other and wash each other's feet with just, just being together, Right? Because the world doesn't always encourage you, does it? They're not always so happy you're a Christian. The, the lunch with you is a downer sometimes. But you get around other believers, and they actually like being with you. Just because you're saved, they're saved, and you get to talk about, and it doesn't matter if you're talking about sports, or talking about the Lord, or talking about you know, your garden, or whatever it is, just fellowshipping together. That's important. Our ministry leaders, uh, I'm not going to go through all of this. this. The point is, I've said this often, we're a church that's large enough to have a lot of needs and too small to fill them all. We have a lot of needs. We don't fill them all. We've got a couple of openings down here. Website and social media, several people work on that. Mostly me, but not exclusively me. Uh, helps ministry. We have actually have a couple of guys that have done a lot of projects. If you noticed, the church, remember the the paint was blue here last week. It's not. And I noticed when I sit up in the pulpit here, the back has been painted, which happened sometime between Wednesday night and this morning, and I didn't know. So whoever did it, I'm guessing Cal did. Thank you. Helps ministry that we help, but really a lot of the helps ministry is helping in different people that have needs. All these are important. Pastor Randy oversees our men's discipleship. Um, We've got uh, ladies' discipleships in, you know, up here. Uh, some things that I would like to have that we don't have today. In the future, I would love to see the Lord raise up a college and career ministry here. I, I believe God uh, you know, really has an opportunity for us to really reach college-age kids here in Richmond. Uh, I think that the, that the opportunity is just tremendous. It's something that I, I pray for. It's something I believe God will bring. And it'll raise up people that have a heart for it, a desire for it. And they could start it even when there's not, well, I don't see all that. You build it, God will bring it. But we have to have the people that really desired it. Someone that wants to head up help ministry. When I was in Charlotte um, at Central Church of God, before God moved us over to tiny little Calvary Chapel, Richmond, uh, Calvary Chapel, Charlotte, when I was in Central Church of God, we had a men's Bible study. And there was about 12 of us in this men's Bible study. About four of us went on to go into full-time Christian ministry. One's a pastor in Colorado today. One heads up a, a prison fellowship uh, across the entire state of North Carolina into maximum security prisons. But one guy, uh, Claude, uh, a friend of mine there, uh, he ended up heading up the helps ministry. And they call it Men of Acts. They help single moms. They help the elderly. All these different things. So we need someone to fill those gaps. Are they urgent today? No, they're not urgent, but they would just allow us to show more of God's grace in different areas. But all these ministries, if, you lead, if your name is on this list and you lead a ministry, will you stand up for just a second? We want to just give you a quick hand. If you lead one of these, stand up. 
if you serve in one of these ministries, stand up. If you serve in one of these ministries, stand up. Yeah, please do. If you serve in one of these ministries. Thank you. Um, there's, there's opportunities for us to put more people in these ministries. There's opportunities for some people that are wearing two hats to take one hat off. So this is the year to say, Lord, you know, Lord, I want to give back and do these things. Just let us know. The opportunity's there. Our leadership vision. Um, give me 10 minutes and we'll be done. This is important stuff. I just want to make sure that, we, uh, that you understand where we're headed. Our leadership vision, that we're unified. This is all of our leaders in the, in the church. It starts with me and the elders, the deacons, and the ministry leaders as well. All the way down. There's everyone within any kind of leadership position that we be unified together in Christ, again in his love, facilitate the ongoing work of the gospel, consistent discipleship, fellowship, and worship, and ensure the protection. We've got to protect too. There's false teaching out there. There's all kinds of uh, weird stuff that the enemy would like to tear down this church and any other church. We have to protect through prayer and the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's our leadership vision, that, that, that God would continue to, that we'd be spirit-filled leaders, led by love, led by grace. Um, you know, we serve, with, all of us as leaders, me as a pastor, the elders, the deacons, the ministry leaders, we are servants. We're here to serve. You know, in politics, they call them public servants, but we don't see a lot of that, do we? Not a whole lot of public service anymore. But we want to be that. Jesus was a servant. He washed the disciples' feet. And that's the kind of servant leaders we want to be. Our leadership, you saw the four elders standing up here as we prayed over the stones, we prayed over uh, the potters. Uh, those are our deacons. As Trevor, I could put an asterisk beside it because we're going to ordain him officially in the next uh, two weeks, but he's been serving in that capacity uh, very faithfully and it's been a huge blessing to a number of different ministries as serving as a deacon. And even when he was out of a job uh, for two and a half months, he took over our CCR Community Fest, which was a monster help uh, to me personally. Uh, it, so it was been a, it, Tawan, when you were out, I mean, you were able to do some extra things to help us. And uh, so God even uses some of those trial times to be a blessing to other people. It's kind of interesting how all that works. But those are, those are our deacons. If you're one of the deacons, stand up so people know who you are. There you go. I had your picture anyway. So, Rich, we took a group photo on Christmas Eve. We took a group photo on Christmas Eve, and I photoshopped Rich in because he was milking the cows that night. Many of you know Rich, Rich has a farm, some of the best-tasting milk and eggs you'll ever get. Uh, but while we were all here for Christmas Eve, Rich was tending to, like a shepherd, watching flocks by night or something like that. So... Uh, that's the all, every photo I had of Rich, and I had some of that I personally took with my phone this year. Every photo I had of Rich, he was doing something farming. I did not have a, another picture. Now I could have taken; I just forgot to take him when he was downstairs serving or doing things. I always every photo I took of him, he happened to be farming. Proof of that. This was uh, this was some of the deacons and El this was our leadership in the last year. This was not every photo, but this is them just living life, serving having a good time, fellowshipping stuff. See, Rich? That's, that's Rich, and um, I think that's you, Richard, uh, helping with, uh, put, up, put up one of his fences. You know, we were, we were doing chicken wire and all that good stuff. That right there is, um, that was the only selfie I've ever taken, and I didn't take it on purpose. Uh, I got a new phone, and I was messing with it, and I took a selfie. I did not Facebook it or anything like that, but that was the only selfie I ever took. Uh, and it, that's Randy singing, believe it or not. Uh, he's actually, you want to do that for everyone sometime. I'm sure they'd enjoy that. Uh, Trevor up in the mountains. That Scott is not, that's not a Halloween thing. He really was uh, in the Army's Cavalry Division, right? So uh, that was at our, uh, when we took a bunch of the families and kids to uh, the Veterans Day uh, memorial service that was down at uh, the courthouse. Scott wore uh, his cavalry hat. Montel, I have no idea what you're doing here. Emmett, hula hooping 
That's, this is Russ's excited look. See there? That's Russ's excited look. This is Montel right here. VBS. What was your name again? I forgot. Camouflage. Camouflage. Cal, not into the game at all when we went to the baseball game. He's not yelling at the umpire or anything. He's keeping his testimony. All right. Um, These are some of the guys that are really instrumental in my life personally. I wanted you to know who some of, some of them you've met. We've brought Thomas Powell up here before uh, he did our marriage retreat. Tom Hallman uh, did one of our marriage retreats. Troy uh, over here did one of our marriage retreats. Sam Nadler will be here in June, June 7th. He'll be here with us again. He comes every year. Uh, Tony Clark's been a mentor of mine, uh, Calvary Chapel, Newport News. God's doing a tremendous work uh, in Newport News. And Tony uh, has, been a, has been a real blessing to me in the last year, just meeting with me, talking about things. Uh, um, Billy Rutledge, probably the most missions-minded pastor I have ever met, bar none. I think he's been to more countries than most people uh, can think of, and not just been there, but spent multiple uh, you know, days, months uh, in those places planting uh, Rick's been a bit good. We, uh, we got to go to Israel with uh, Rick. Uh, he's been a good uh, friend and mentor of mine. Jeff Slens, one of the uh, one of the pastors here in Virginia, DC Metro. Actually, tonight, myself, Jeff, uh, Mark here, uh, who's a good friend, uh, Mark Ramirez, um, Calvary Chapel Fredericksburg. A number of us will be ordaining a new Calvary Chapel pastor tonight. I'll be driving to Northern Virginia and Reston tonight, or uh, DC uh, Reston Station. A guy who's still in the uh, business world like I was. He's going to be bivocational. I try to talk him out of it. No, anyway. Uh, but we'll be praying over him tonight. And the reason this is important is you need men in your life that sharpen and challenge you. I need men in my life. You need women in your life that sharpen and challenge you. We all need people that have gone farther than we have in the faith to take us farther. You have to want to invest in being mentored and growing, and iron does sharpen iron. Now, I'm peers with some of these guys, and some of them I consider mentors and fathers in the faith, and I have a good mix. But I want you to know that these churches are family churches. Many of you have gotten to know, how many of you have gotten to know people from some of these churches through things that we have done? Just look around the room. These, these churches are our family, my wife's family, every single summer. Every single summer, her family gets together uh, with a this big family reunion. And her grandfather, what did he have, five brothers and sisters? There were six of them? So of her grandfather's five brothers and sisters, they all have offshoot family. But when they get together, it's like 100 people. And they stay close because of that. I actually know a lot of the men, women, and families in some of these other churches, and they're family to me. Now, they'll ping me on Facebook. They, they've become family to us. We've even brought some of their church family to some of our marriage retreats and things like that. And we're there to help each other. If we ever had like, you know, a, a hurricane came through Richmond, these folks would be there to help us. Because, and we'd be there to help them too. We're actually, we're not just Calvary Chapel Richmond. We're actually connected to the larger Calvary Chapel families. And when I reached out to Calvary Chapel Paris yesterday, they're our brothers and sisters. We care about whether we know them or not. And these folks we know really well. And they've been a big influence in my life and a big help to me, each and every one of these men. Last, I want to close just, just two quick, a uh, couple of quick things. This is our ministry servants' characteristics. This goes for our elders, our deacons, our ministry leaders, and our ministry servants. This is the heart we want to reflect in Calvary Chapel Richmond. We want to be joyful. Does anyone like to run it? You want to deliver your kids, and the person looks like they hate life. No. We want to be joyful, we want to be faithful, we want to be approachable, approachable. Don't you hate when you get around people that aren't approachable, they think, I don't got time for you. Approachable, collaborative. I want the feedback of ministry people. I don't have every idea in the world. Our elders don't have every idea in the world. Our deacons don't have every idea in the world. We want people to say, hey, I've got a great idea, and I might say, well, develop more of that. Can you, put, can you put that together? Maybe put a document together. Help us. That sounds great. We would love to add that to that ministry. We'll, we'll need your help on that. Be collaborative. I want 
teachers asking each other how they can actually do better, better work. And just as a collaborative group of people that we actually find the strengths of each other that make us all better as a church family. And lastly, teachable. We can all keep learning. That's why I surround myself with men that can teach me. I want to always be learning. I want to learn and soak up, but I want us all to be continually learning and teachable. And so those things, if you like acronyms, I call that J-FACT. J-FACT. It's not a rapper's name or anything like that. It's just a, it's just a good way. It just helps me remember joyful, faithful, accountable. Or, well, you could have put accountable. It's approachable, uh, collaborative, and teachable. Now, what happens when, when we do those things? Ministry happens. Fellowship happens. Discipleship happens. Growth happens. People get saved. When we actually walk in those things, these are just some things that took place in the last year. This isn't the only, I've got two slides. You can see just in the past year, I mean, there's this VBS, all these kids that we had. By the way, I love Ileana's wig, whatever that is. Um, <laughs> pretty cool, isn't it? You know, but even the kids here, they kind of speak to the togetherness that God wants us to have. And we had Ebo Elder here and, and Lee and Zach, and we, had a marriage ret- we have another marriage retreat coming this fall. I hope all the married couples get a chance to go. We were praying for Pastor Said at the, at the park, just fellowship. These are you know, meetings uh, of just really kind of coming together, outreach at a local senior community. Fourth of July. We've got another one here. Just gives you an idea. Baptisms. Families uh, coming together. How about our Christmas Eve here? That was awesome. Uh, our CCR Community Fest, Harvest Crusade, all these things. And these things, these aren't to manufacture. It's like Chuck Smith said, we're not a factory, we're a garden. These aren't a manufacture, these are a growth. Amen? It's like plants growing. Uh, a corn on the cob doesn't strain, it just happens. The ears come up, the fruit begins to grow. And so the Lord wants us to continue to see this kind of fellowship, love, growth, and uh, I believe as Deuteronomy chapter 7 states, and as the Lord gives us in um, Revelation 3, 